Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good. I have a question. Does this watch up here mean anything to you? All right. Just checking on that. Just checking. You know, I've known Pastor Gary and Gloria for 26 years, and uh, uh, some say we, we do look kind of alike, but, uh, you know, uh, he's got a little more hair than I do. I'm a little jealous about that. I, I want you to know. You know, they say, say as we grow older, our hair, you know, for some it grows gray, and for some it just grows loose, right? I mean, it just kind of... Though, though outwardly we are fading away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Amen. So uh, that was 26 years ago, and uh, I got saved at Mount Hope Church in Lansing, Michigan, and it was on an Easter Sunday morning. Um, Pastor Dave Williams was preaching, Pastor Gary Hallberg was leading worship, and when I responded to that altar call, he was up there leading worship. And so uh, I got my beginnings uh, watching Pastor Gary uh, in fact, um, the very thing that, uh, that really awakened me to the fact that God is so alive was the worship that I experienced in that church. I had grown up in the church all my life, and church every Sunday morning had nicknames for all the deacons. I won't tell you what they were, uh, but uh, God forgive me, but... Um, uh, You know, I just had the attitude that God's not real, I'm not interested in Him until a friend invited me to this church. And the way people worshiped God, I knew something was different. I knew God was real. If these people are crazy or God is really among them and in them. And that was 26 years ago. And I've, over the years, I've always had such a tremendous respect for Pastor Gary and Gloria and. uh, And uh, over the years, as I've grown up, I've asked the question in my mind, not what would Jesus do, but what would Gary do? And what would Gloria do? And um, I just had so much respect for them. I liked them so well, I I thought, well, shoot, if they're that good, their daughter's got to be even better. I'm going to marry this gal. And uh, so thank you so much for just pouring into me all these years and, and just believing in me and that I'm somewhat good enough for your daughter and called to, to preach the gospel. I mean, you need people who believe in you, don't you? You know, you need people who believe in you. I remember the day I walked into, into their house and I was going to ask Pastor Gary if I could marry his daughter. And uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. And, and if you're a preacher, you take naps on Sunday afternoon. And uh, Pastor Gary just got up from a nap and I walked in and he's sitting there on the couch in the living room, just kind of waking up. And I said, Pastor Gary, I've got a question for you. And I said, can I marry your daughter? And he just said, that'd be nice. And, he, and I, that was it. No big speech. I've spent all my life raising her, and I'm entrusting her to you. It was, yeah, that'd be nice. And I think he went back to bed. So he must have been at peace with the whole situation. Well, you've had the opportunity to hear Carrie and the Lord speak through her, and and uh, she was here a few weeks ago, and unfortunately, I don't have any lifesavers for you this morning to pass out. Um, man does not live by bread alone and lifesavers, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 16. We're going to be in John chapter 16 and John chapter 14 today. I 
I want to ask you a question as you're turning there. Have you ever met a person that made such a lasting impression on you in that first encounter that, that you walked away from that encounter with that person and you just said, man, I have, I've got to get to know that person. There's something about that person that is so unique and so interesting. I want to get to know that person. Maybe you're sitting next to that person today. Or maybe you're still searching for that person. Well, let me tell you about somebody I met 26 years ago. I'm talking about my wife. And let me tell you about the first time I met her. There was something about her. She was not only beautiful, she had, she had this attractive personality. And you've met her, you know what I'm talking about. And I was drawn to her and I said, you know what? I was 16 years old. She was 16 years old. I said, I have just got to get to know this person. There is something about her. And for the next three years, we were friends, we were acquaintances, but there was always something about her. She was intelligent, she was, uh, she was articulate, she was elusive. How many of you know, men, those elusive girls, there's something about them. Something about that that just said, I, I got to get to know this gal. She was this intellectual, this musician. She was city girl. I was country boy. She was so different than I was, and I knew that I needed to get to know her. Well, that was, uh, that was 26 years ago. And this 4th of July, my wife and I celebrated uh, our 20th wedding anniversary on July 4th of this year. <clears throat> I gave up my independence on Independence Day. I can never forget my anniversary, and I'll always have the day off. Guys, take note of that. That's not a bad deal, you know? All right. Well, there's another person I met 26 years ago, and that is the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. And this person of the Holy Spirit, uh, I'm still getting to know, just like I'm still getting to know my wife after 20 years. There's something so uh, almost elusive, too, about the Holy Spirit, isn't there? The invisible Holy Spirit of God is a person not a mist, not a presence, not a, not a power. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity of God. And I want to talk to you about this person this morning. Francis Chain wrote a book called Forgotten God. And he writes this. He said, if I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and his purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. The degree to which this has happened is directly connected to the dissatisfaction most of us feel with and in the church. We understand that something very important is missing. The feeling is so strong that some have even run away from church and from God's word completely, he writes. And he says, I believe that that missing something is a someone, namely the Holy Spirit." The Holy Spirit is perhaps the least known or understood and perhaps the most divisive person of the Godhead Trinity among churches today. How many of you can say amen? That's true. We know that God is one, but he exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, possesses all the same attributes as God the Father and God the Son. The Bible says that he is eternal, the writer of the Hebrews calls him the eternal spirit. We know that he is omnipresent. That means he can be present everywhere at one time. 
He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He is omniscient, He is all-knowing, and He's never taken by surprise. The Holy Spirit is a person with a personality. He's a person who has a presence. He's a person who talks and He thinks and He plans. And He's incredibly brilliant and articulate. Imagine this person living inside of you and I. We sang about it this morning. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the voice of the Godhead. That the Holy Spirit has a mind. He has a will. That He can be lied to. He can be resisted. He can be blasphemed. He can be grieved. The Bible says that He leads us and He teaches us and He convicts us and He strengthens us and He encourages us. The Bible says that He intercedes for believers. That He testifies with our spirit that we're born again. The Bible says the Holy Spirit even restrains us at times. And of course, the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us. This is the Holy Spirit living inside of you and I. And I want to briefly look at this morning, what did Jesus have to say about this person of the Holy Spirit? During the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples, he told them some news. And the news that he told them, they didn't like it. He said, I'm going to leave you now. I'm going to leave you now. And these disciples, they didn't understand that. That was perhaps the worst news that they had ever, ever heard. Here Jesus walking with them for three years and, and sharing meals with them and doing miracles and, and preaching and teaching with such power and authority. And, and they were following him. They said, I'd follow you to the death. And now Jesus says, I'm going away. Not good news to them. Turn with me to John chapter 16, verse number 5. And this is what Jesus told him. He said, Now I am going to him who has sent me. Yet none of you ask me, Where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. Verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And in regard to sin, because men do not believe in him. And in regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you of what is yet to come. Verse 14. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Now that passage, church, is full. is full of descriptions about who the Holy Spirit is. Wonderful things there, and we don't have time this morning to unpack the package that's found there. But there is a phrase there that I want to focus your attention on for just a moment. And that phrase is this, Jesus said, it is for your good. It is for your good that I go away. Some translations, it is better that I go away. You know, the disciples, although they... Uh, although the disciples couldn't comprehend at that time that it was better for them to have the invisible Holy Spirit in them than the visible Jesus with them. Although they couldn't understand that at that time, they would understand it later. 
they would understand that it's far better that Jesus go away and that he leave this powerful Holy Spirit with them. Can you say amen? How many of you, if you were one of the disciples and Jesus were to say to you, it's good that I go away, put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a moment. Would you rather have the invisible Holy Spirit or the visible Jesus walking alongside you? I think most of us say we'd rather have the visible Jesus. But then he can't be with every one of us everywhere at all times, bringing exactly what we need, unless the Holy Spirit comes. When Jesus said, it's good that I go away, I have a question this morning. Do we really believe that? Do we live like we believe him? Have we welcomed the Holy Spirit as we would welcome Jesus if he stepped into the... Imagine that if, the, if, if Jesus walked in physically into this room this morning, what would we do? We'd stand and chap, clap and cheer or we'd bow down. There'd be a physical response that we would have to the visible presence of Jesus in this place. Do we host his presence like we would host Jesus if he were here in the flesh? John chapter 14, a few chapters earlier, John 14, verse 16, Jesus said this. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Again, very, very important scripture. We're going to break this, this scripture down. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will be with you forever. That word another in the Greek, it means another that is just like the first as opposed to another that is different than the first. So when Jesus said, I'm going to send you another counselor, he said, I'm going to send somebody just like me, another counselor, just like the first one. Have you ever thought about the significance of having another counselor like Christ? Imagine what it would be like to have Christ standing beside you in the flesh, being your personal counselor wherever you go and saying, here, here's the way, walk in it. Marry this per- Don't marry that person. Go here, go there. Speak this to this person. Imagine having Jesus right there with you like that. That'd be incredible. Incredible. Why do we assume that that is better than the literal presence of the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, it is better. It is good for you that I leave. Ask yourself, when is the last time that you undeniably saw the Spirit's work in you or around you? When's the last time you felt the presence of the Holy Spirit? When's the last time that that you heard him talk to you? That you you felt his presence so near to you, that you enjoyed the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? When's the last time you heard his voice or felt his power? When's the last time you felt his conviction? God, thank you for conviction. Amen? Amen. If you're having trouble recounting a time that you've experienced the Holy Spirit, it could be, church, it could be that you're ignoring the Spirit of God in your life. Ignoring the Holy Spirit. Suppose I have you over for dinner and and my wife fixes this wonderful meal and we sit down to eat and I introduce you to my wife, Carrie, and and let's say you ignore her the, the entire night. Over the meal time, we sit down afterwards, we talk, but you ignore, you pretend she's not even there. I'd probably not invite you over for dinner again, right? (laughs) 
We can so easily do that. Oh, God, I need you. I, save me. Holy Spirit, come and live inside of me. Great, got the Holy Spirit. Let's go on to the next thing. And we forget that the Holy Spirit is, is, is omnipresent and always with us all the time. Do we live with this constant awareness of the Spirit of God? Wherever we go, we take him with us. Samuel Chadwick, he's an old guy, 1898, spirit-filled Methodist preacher. He said this, he said, No doctrine of the Christian faith has been so neglected. The blunders and the disasters of the church are largely, if not entirely, accounted for by the neglect of the Spirit's ministry and mission. The church is helpless without the presence and the power of the Spirit. The lust for talk about work increases as the power for work declines. Conferences multiply when work fails. And we see the church has lost the note, its note of authority. The secret wisdom and the gift of power through the persistent and willful neglect of the Holy Spirit of God. This is over a hundred years ago, church. Confusion and impotence are inevitable when the, when the wisdom and the resources of the world are substituted for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. See, it's no secret to us. We know that the church in America is in decline. The church in America is in decline, and everything else seems to be growing. But the church in America is not growing. It's in decline. And I have to look at around the world. Churches around the world are growing. The kingdom is advancing in Africa and in Asia and in India and in South America. I mean, churches are growing and the kingdom of God is, is, is taking over the earth in these places. It's amazing what God is doing around the globe. But you look at the resources that they have. They don't have the nice buildings and the lights and the sound and all the multimedia equipment. They don't have those resources, but they have the most important resource of all. They have the person of the Holy Spirit. And they are completely depending on the Holy Spirit to get the job done. We have everything but the Holy Spirit at times. We rely on all things being nice and great, and we should. We should, we should do everything with the spirit of excellence because anytime God does something, he does it with excellence. But we've become dependent on those things rather than the spirit of the living God moving and breathing in our own personal lives and in our churches. Listen, when I got saved, it wasn't because, man, the lights in this place are amazing. By the way, Pastor, you did a great job in here. I love it. Beautiful. But I wasn't wowed by that. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit in that place. That's what drew me. That's what I was hungry for. I met that person that day of the Holy Spirit. And I said, I've got to spend the rest of my life getting to know this person. And I think the church has lost its appetite for the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, even church growth can happen without him. Let's be honest. If we combine a charismatic speaker and a talented worship band and get creative and help people to laugh, you know, if we're funny, people will come. They'll attend our churches. Yet this does not mean that the Holy Spirit of God is actively working in the lives of the people who are coming to the church. It simply means that we've created a soulish experience that people like to come to for two hours on a Sunday morning. God help us. Church, you'll agree with me here. The benchmark of success is not the attendance, but the work of the Holy Spirit in our meetings and in our everyday lives. Listen, Jesus had lots of people following him when he was giving them fish and loaves. But when he started saying difficult things and preaching the truth, and you know, they started to scatter a little bit. When Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible says that he went and he visited over 500 people. 
He had 500 followers that he visited after his, after his uh, resurrection from the dead. But on the day of Pentecost, there weren't 500 in the upper room. There were only 120. When he told them to wait for the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, they didn't all go, yes, let's do it. <laughs> there were just 120. How many in the room today? 120, 150, 200? What's the number? How many does it take to change the world, to turn this, this area upside down? How many? God just needs a few good men and women who are full of the Holy Spirit of God. And God can do it. God can do it. It's, if it's true, let me ask you this question. If it's true that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that raised Him from the dead, if He lives in us, shouldn't we look different, live different, act different? Shouldn't there be something about us that's different? Something the world stands up and they take notice and they go, I want what they got. And I'm not going to leave until I get it. Amen. Francis Chan, he... In his book, Forgotten God, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And he tells this funny story of one day he was talking to his wife and he asked his wife the question. He said, honey, do you ever, do you ever think about what caterpillars think about? You ever think about what a caterpillar thinks, of what's going through their mind? And she's like, no, honey, I never think about that. And this is what he writes. He says, for all its caterpillar life, this caterpillar crawls around a small patch of dirt and up and down a few plants. And then one day, this caterpillar takes a nap. A very long nap. And when it wakes up, you know, what in the world must be going through its head to wake up and discover that it's no longer a caterpillar? It's a butterfly, and this thing can fly. It can fly. What happened to its dirty, plump, little worm body? What does it think when it sees this tiny new body and these gorgeous wings? Church, as believers, we ought to experience the same kind of astonishment when the Holy Spirit enters our bodies. We should be stunned in disbelief by, this, oh, by, by becoming this new creation with God now living in us. And as the caterpillar finds its new ability to fly, we should be thrilled over our spirit-empowered ability to live differently and faithfully. Isn't this what the scriptures speak of in church? Isn't this what we're all longing for? It, it's really astounding truth that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us and he lives in me. I do not know what the spirit will do or where he'll lead me each time I invite him to guide me, but I'm tired of living in a way that looks exactly like the people who do not have the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. I want to live so that I am truly submitted to the Spirit's leading on a daily basis. Christ said it is better for us that the Spirit came, and I want to live like I know that is true. I don't want to keep crawling around in the dirt when I have the ability to fly. Amen. Churchgoers all around the nation, they say that the Holy Spirit has entered them, and some would even say that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. They claim that God has given them a supernatural ability to fly to live like Christ, to live dead to sin and serve others. Yet when those outside the church see no difference in our lives, they begin to question our experience, our integrity, or even worse, our God. And can we blame them? There's so much more to following Jesus than getting a bunch of talented people together on a Sunday morning to hold a worship service. 
You know, if I were going to do a series on the Holy Spirit today, I would call it Everyday Holy Spirit. Because God wants us to encounter this person of the Holy Spirit every waking moment of every single day. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, the early church knew less about the Holy Spirit than most of us do here today, at least intellectually. But they came to know the Spirit intimately and powerfully as He worked in their lives. You know, I've been in meetings, and so have you, where you walk away and you go, man, the Spirit of God was really moving in that place. And I would suggest this to you this morning. The Holy Spirit is always moving. He's always moving. The question is, are the people of God moving with the Holy Spirit? God can move at any time and anywhere if we're there and we're ready and our ears are open and we're ready to move with Him. Back to John chapter 14. Let me break this apart just a little bit more here. John 14, verse 16, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and He will give you another, we've looked at that word another, counselor to be with you forever. The Greek word here for counselor is parakletos. Parakletos, which unfortunately is a very difficult word to translate. And some would say it's, very, it's untranslatable. Uh, you may read that, uh, I don't know what translation you read from, but that word comforter uh, could be counselor or comforter or helper. Uh, it's really difficult to translate that into one word, but it really means someone who is called in. When Jesus said, the Father's going to send you another counselor, he said, I'm going to send you another person. I'm going to send you someone called in. And when that person is called in, it's the reason why that person is called in, which gives the word its distinctive associations. Some days you need a counselor. Some days you need a comforter. Some days you need a, a, a helper. Some days you need a convictor. See, the Holy Spirit is called in to come alongside you and help you in any given situation. The Greeks use the word in a variety of different ways. The parakletos might be a person called in to give witness in the law of court in someone's favor. He might be an advocate called in to plead the cause of someone under a charge which would issue a serious penalty. Huh, sounds like the Holy Spirit in my life. He might be an expert called in to give advice in some difficult situation, or he might be a person called in, for example, when a company of soldiers was depressed or discouraged. The parakletos is always called in to help in time of need or trouble. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I am leaving you but I'm leaving you with somebody who's going to be called in in that moment, in that time of need that you have. The Holy Spirit will be right there, ready to meet that need. So the Holy Spirit is another counselor. And then Jesus says, to be with you forever. And this is where I want to finish, to be with you forever. And I'm going to have ask if Nick could come and just play underneath this last part of the message here today. Jesus said, this counselor, the Holy Spirit, is going to be with you forever. You see, before the Holy Spirit is called in for power, before the Holy Spirit is called into the church to bring the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the church was called in to be with us. Think on this for a moment. To be with us forever. The Holy Spirit was called in to fellowship with us. Let's get back to the Garden of Eden. Right? Where we can walk and we can talk with Him in the cool of the day. There's a really interesting passage 
And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 14. Paul wrote two letters to the church in Corinth, and he ends his second letter with a farewell prayer. His last words to this church, and he prays this. He says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We talk a lot about the grace of Jesus. How many of you raise your hand and say, I need the grace of Jesus in my life? Amen. All of us need the grace of Jesus. All of us need the love of the Father. We talk about those things often, but I'm afraid we've stopped talking about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, I'm giving you another counselor to be with you forever, he's saying, I'm giving you somebody you can fellowship with every day, every moment of the day. You see, I think in Pentecostal circles, we we tend to see the Holy Spirit as a tool. Boy, you can't get the job done without having the right tool, right? We see the, the, the Holy Spirit as a tool, as something that's used. We need some power, so you need the Holy Spirit. We need some gifts, so we need the Holy Spirit. Or we need some more fruit in our lives. That means you need the Holy Spirit because only He can produce the fruit. But we've forgotten that the number one reason that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit first and foremost was to be with us. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And can I suggest this morning that if we we learn to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we'll have all the power we need. All the gifts will be right there when we need them and the fruit will be right there when we need them if we would learn to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You got a marriage that's going through something tough? What do you need? You need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You need need somebody you can fellowship with. Maybe you're in a strange relationship. What do you need? You need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You need to talk something through with somebody who knows what they're doing right? Who better than the person of the Holy Spirit? If the fellowship of God's Holy Spirit is so, so very important to us, we'll do everything in our power to keep from grieving the Holy Spirit. There's a passage in Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When do people grieve? Well, when do you grieve? Well, sir, when do you grieve? What causes grief in your life? Grief is caused when you lose somebody. Maybe you've lost a, a, a mother or a father or a spouse or, or even a child. You go through a, a grieving process, right? You're grieving because you, you've lost something that you once had. Some of you can't relate to that. Well, maybe you've lost a pet. Those dogs and cats can really get on the inside of us, can't they? And you you lose that, 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 it's almost like a family member. And you're grieving because you've lost someone. Listen to me. When the Holy Spirit grieves, He's grieving because He's lost you. It's not that you're not saved anymore. You haven't lost your salvation. That's not what you've lost. You've lost the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And when you lose that fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit grieves. And He's saying, I miss you. He's saying, I remember the times that we used to spend together. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I remember when we had unbroken fellowship. 
I remember when I had your attention and I had your sensitivity. You were very aware of my presence. I remember those days. I'm grieving now. I'm grieving not because you've gone out and slept with somebody or you've done some nasty thing. I'm grieving because you've left me. You've ignored me. And I miss that fellowship. I miss that time. I want to grieve like the Holy Spirit is grieving when I'm at a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is sitting at his right hand, but the Holy Spirit is right here, right now, and I don't want to ignore him. I want to welcome him, invite him into every part of my life. Used to sing in the shower. (laughs) How many of you still sing in the shower? Huh? You sound great in the shower, don't you? It's like, man, I should join the praise band. But what am I talking about? Man, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you went, you had, you, had a, you had a song in your mouth. You're standing in line in the grocery store and, and you're whispering these, these little prayers to the Holy Spirit. Oh God, I love you. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. You may be saved here today. You may be even filled with the Holy Spirit. And what you need today is not more of the Holy Spirit. See, you may not need more of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit may need more of you. You know? We want more of God sometimes. And God is saying, I'd love to just reveal myself to you, but how about you give me more of you? And then I will, right, draw near to God. The Bible says, and what? God will draw near to us. God will draw near to us. And that's how we're going to close today. You know? There's no Christian in their right mind who wants to ever grieve the Holy Spirit. It's the worst thing in the world. It's the worst thing in the world. Let me share something with you. This is what happens when we grieve the Spirit, okay? When we ignore Him, we no longer give Him our attention. Here's what happens, and you can find it in Isaiah chapter 63. And we're going to look at just one verse And it's Isaiah 63, verse 10. But let me just give you a little background before we close. Isaiah is, he is talking about the kindness of God to Israel. He's talking about the compassion and the love and the mercy of God to Israel and how God became Israel's savior. It's a beautiful passage. And he's just going on and on about God's goodness to God's people. And then something happens in verse number 10. The Bible says this, yet they rebelled. They rebelled. God's people rebelled. What is rebellion? All sin is rebellion, right? They rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Now notice what happens. So he turned and he became their enemy and he himself fought against them. Wait a minute, what's going on here, pastor? Here we have God saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. God's people rebel. They grieve the Holy Spirit. And then God says, now I'm your enemy. Now I'm fighting against you. Wait a minute, time out. I thought you were my friend, God. Holy Spirit, I thought you were my friend. Why are you poking me and kicking me under the table? How many of you have ever been in a restaurant and your spouse does that kicking under the table thing because, you know, it's time for you to, you know, or your food all over your face or something, you know. So here's what happens. The Holy Spirit is grieved and, and, now, and now God has become his people's enemy. Wait a minute, this doesn't sound right, does it? 
What does the New Testament say? When you read something in the Old, you should always go and find it in the New Testament. The Bible says in the book of James that God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. He pushes you away. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Imagine that, the Holy Spirit, one called in to be a fellowship with you, is now opposing you. And let me say this. You see, when we grieve the Holy Spirit of God, he doesn't leave us. Hear me now. He doesn't leave us, right? God said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. When you grieve God's Spirit, He doesn't leave you, but His role in your life changes. He goes from being that, that comforter in your life to being the convictor in your life. You may, you may like, you know, you may be feeling like, you know what, God has just given me a hard time with this, and He's putting the pressure on here and there, and what's going on? What's going on? Well, God's just doing His work. Perhaps you've grieved the Holy Spirit, you're out of fellowship with you, and the Holy Spirit is poking you. Hey, hey, I miss you. Hey, hey, I miss you. You know that passage, grieving the Holy Spirit? You know what's in that passage? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Look at the verses before it and look at the verses after it. It all has to do with how we treat people, how we speak to one another. We can quickly grieve the Holy Spirit by how we treat one another. We're to build each other up, amen? Encourage one another in the Lord. Maybe you've spoke some unkind words and you're treating people like trash. You talk to your family like they're the, they're the enemy, you know? You're grieving the Holy... How can you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit when you're not in fellowship with your family and you're not treating them right? Amen? I say all that because my kids are here this morning. I wanted them to hear that, you know? I'm just teasing. Amen. David was out of fellowship for over a year, scholarship say. And the Bible says, and, and I won't go there, but in Psalm 32, the Bible, um, David there, he's just pouring out his heart to God, and he says that when he kept silent about his sin, that the hand of God was heavy upon him. It affected his, his body. He couldn't sleep at night. The hand of God was heavy upon him. Why? Not because God wanted to give David a hard time. He was saying, hey, hey, I miss fellowship with you. When are you going to confess that sin? Let's get on with it so we can get on with fellowship. And so finally, David, of course, we know that he cries out. And in Psalm 51, he repents and he says, he says, oh God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. You see, David valued so much the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, I miss you. I miss that fellowship. Don't take it away. But restore to me, God, the joy of my salvation. Let me tell you, you know where joy comes from? The Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Where's the peace? It's found in the Holy Spirit. If you've lost the joy and you've lost the peace, could it be is that you've been ignoring the Holy Spirit of God and He's the one that brings it. Amen. Would you stand with me today as we get ready to pray here today? I know I've said a lot and I've talked a long time and back and forth. But I just feel like the message the church needs to hear is this message. Message, God is saying, I have given you a gift. I have left you, but I have left you with the person of the Holy Spirit. What are you going to do about it? You can do everything in your own strength. 
Good luck with that. You'll fall flat on your face every time. But God is saying, I have given you the parakletos, the called in one to come alongside you and to fellowship with you and to empower you to live godly life and to empower you to be a witness. And I just feel God saying, some of you don't need more of the Holy Spirit, but God wants more of you today. And can I ask this this morning? Let's just be real and transparent with one another. If you miss this fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you may not have done something like David did and sinned with Bathsheba, but man, you know there's been an attitude or something there, and there's this, there's this break in fellowship. There's an awkward silence, and there's an awkwardness whenever you start to pray. You just don't feel natural praying anymore, but you miss that fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and you want to return to that. I want to invite you to come up here and just join me right along the front here today. And I don't know if you normally do that or not, but I would expect many of you, if you're hungry for this fellowship of the Holy Spirit, would you come and would you respond? I want to pray with you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And all will sing Yes, Lord. Yes. Let's just lift our hands. Can we do that? God, we miss you. You're so great to us, Lord. God, we're committed to you and we're faithful, but God, we miss the fellowship, Lord. God, like David cried out, when can I get alone and be with God? God, may that be our heart's cry. God, may you, your Holy Spirit, become the most important person in our lives, Lord. God, forgive us for ignoring your spirit and grieving your spirit. And we say to you this morning, God, we return, we repent, and we turn back to you. And we turn back in dependence upon your Holy Spirit. God, not just corporately in this church, but God, in our individual lives, Lord. God, we need you. And more than anything, we need that fellowship, that unbroken union, God. You promised you'd never leave us and you'd never forsake us, and we thank you for that. But God, we've left you. We've left your Holy Spirit and we've grieved you. And God, we are grieved this morning because of that. God, forgive us of our sin, Lord, and cleanse us. Restore us like David cried out. Restore to us, God the joy of our salvation. God, restore that intimacy that we once had. Oh God, we want to be so sensitive to you once again. God, take our hearts, maybe they've become hard. God, make them soft again. So sensitive to you. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Lord, we confess it is good that Jesus left. It is so good. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We love you. We need you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. 
God, be great in this place, we pray. Lord, we recognize it's not by might, it's not by our power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Praise you, God. God, stir every one of us, God. Stir every one of us, God. God, send a personal revival to every person, God. Hungry and thirsty for it, Lord. God, we recognize that your church is is not a building. It's made up of individuals. Everyone's standing in this room today. And God, I pray you'd fill every one of these churches here this morning, God. Every one of us, God. Fill every one of us with your Holy Spirit, God. Send a revival, an awakening to every one of us, God. Everywhere we turn, God, may we hear you speaking and leading us by your Holy Spirit, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we just say amen? Can we say praise the Lord? Hallelujah. God is so good, isn't he? He is so good to us. Thank you for the opportunity to share the word with you today. You you are God's people. God has special plans for you and for this house. How many of you believe that's true? You know what? When Jesus left, he said this, I'm going to build something that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. I am part of something, and you're a part of something today that the devil cannot, he, he can't mess with. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I mean, when God builds something, he builds something that will last. Isn't that amazing? That's unbelievable to think that, that he would entrust us to carry this message of grace and hope. Unbelievable. God, what are you thinking? Me? I pray that God doesn't see the the, the clay vessel, but he sees the treasure inside the, the jar. Amen? Amen. Let's just pray this community would begin to see the treasure that we have here. God, we just pray for the surrounding area, God. Lord, that that people would be drawn to the treasure, not the clay. God, we confess that we're clay. But may they see the treasure inside of us, God. May they experience you when they experience us, God. God, we pray that all the plans that you have for this house would be yes and amen. God, I thank you that no weapon formed against this church Word of life can prevail in Jesus' name. God, do your work by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.